0: Well, may I speak in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord. Amen. A few years ago, the Queen uh, had to use a Latin phrase in her Queen's speech, and we're wondering whether she might turn to the same phrase again this year. I wonder how, how this last year has been for you. In the tussle and burly of life there are always sensational disappointments that come our way aren't there the great philosopher and writer Scott Peck made this uh, line in his opening best-selling book life is difficult life is difficult and those who choose to accept it have the opportunity and the chance to grow but life is unquestionably difficult for most people a lot of the time my year was marked most poignantly of all along with an array of pastoral matters by uh, the loss of one of my dear friends from Wolverhampton. He was uh, a lovely young man, a young father who had come to faith in our time in Wolverhampton and uh, had been part of our small group. And back in the early springtime this year, for an array of complicated reasons that we don't fully yet understand. He took his own life in his own home, leaving behind two young boys and a a wonderful wife. Went up to the service, and a few weeks later I went to do a christening of a a young boy who had been born into a family where just two years before I'd done the funeral of their middle son. (laughs) age seven, and the family had longed for him to come back to life, so we'd prayed over his dead body and lived with the the agonies and pains and disappointments. I've sat with some of you and thought over and wept over some of your disappointments, been in hospital beds, some of which have been seemingly miraculously turned around into places of, of hope and life. We've also watched people where marriages have broken up, those who would long to have children who haven't, those who feel lonely, those in pain, those with long-term illnesses they know they'll never recover from. And these are the realities of the valley of the shadow of death that we walk through in this life now. And it seems that sometimes it's worth just holding that in the church service and saying God it's really tough because if you turn to the middle bit of this book it's full of people doing exactly that in the Psalms they cry out to God and say things like how long when is redemption coming when is deliverance coming Lord some of you have buried your own children Some of you have lived with pain unspeakable. And it's right to come to a God and go, ah, what's going on? If we look a little bit into this passage in Isaiah, there's a bit of hope in the first phrase. It says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Jesse, of course, is King David's great father. And David's line is the line that's supposed to go on gloriously until the promised Messiah comes. Jesse isn't supposed to be a stump. Jesse's supposed to be a flourishing oak tree planted by a stream of living water. He's supposed to be Psalm 1. He's not supposed to have been cut down. He's not supposed to have had the great branches lobbed off him and the trunk shredded. Jesse is not supposed to be a stump. Jesse is supposed to be a lineage of glorious kings obeying God faithfully until the Messiah comes. But Jesse is a stump. And yet a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. I wonder if you look back further than a year to places that are maybe slightly more processed in your life, deeper pains from longer ago. I wonder if you can see times where you've been strimmed down far more than you wanted to be. And yet over time you'll say it perversely, bizarrely, strangely, miraculously, a shoot seems to have emerged from that place of deep failure or sadness. A marriage breakup that has led to something else. A bereavement that's given you a rare capacity to understand those around you. A sense of loneliness or isolation that yet has given an opportunity and privilege to be involved in different people's lives than you expected to be involved with. Shoots stir up in God's kingdom from stumps all the time. From this root of Jesse to King David's roots will come not just a little shoot but a branch, a great and glorious branch. We know him as Jesus. It says the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding. And One of the great privileges of the Christian story is that we have a God who understands. He's not just wise from afar like that teacher who was never impacted by anything but could give you truisms to take away. He's the God who understands what it looks like to look your mother in the face and say goodbye. He knows what it's like to be rejected by friends and families on the deepest of levels, who understands physical pain and suffering and spiritual torments. The spirit of understanding is on him. He is one who will bring justice to a world where we see little of it. He will bring judgments which are rights and change the great injustices of our planet. You see, one of the things, and maybe this is the main thing to take away from this passage today, is that though God's people through history often have to suffer in extraordinary ways and go through the darkest of times, The Bible never asks us to do that without also painting a picture of extreme hope and extreme glory. Many people are led by this spirit of the fear of the Lord into incredibly dark places. Maybe you've been as well. There's a whole school of Christian theology called the dark night of the soul or the wilderness experience. If you've ever experienced that, where you feel like the the, the taps have been turned off in terms of your spiritual grace, where it's got dry, where you can't see or sing what you used to be able to, and there's just a sort of anger or a fear or just a faithlessness that seems to have stirred within you, and you're like, what has happened to me? How have I become this shriveled up prune when I used to be a vibrant apple on his tree? But well, then God takes almost all of these people through these experiences, and we'll see a little bit of this in a, a wonderful video clip this evening from the Nativity film. He never asks us to do it without painting an amazing picture as well. In Isaiah six to nine, it's a picture of a wolf lying down with a lamb, a leopard lying down with a goat, the calf, the lion, the yearling together. Even a young child putting its hand in a viper's nest, there will be no harm or destruction on the holy mountain, and all of the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's a tremendous vision. You say, Well, it's, it's an abstract vision. It's not. We only get to see this through the words, but there is one who saw this absolutely and clearly. And said this vision is big enough to go through horror for. It says of uh, Jesus Christ that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him, because he knew there was a time coming when the wolf would lie down with the lamb and the cow would feed with the bear. Because he knew that there was a time coming when the whole earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea because he knew of the church his beautiful bride that he was going to perfect into something worthy of marrying marrying the son of God because he knew of you he endured the cross and he looked at you and me and what he was going to remake and he said it's worth it because it's going to be glorious Went to the funeral in Wolverhampton. And it was uh, held at a non conformist church, a barn of a place. And they uh, had the boys in the funeral, in the memorial service. And they'd uh, made a decision that they were going to celebrate what was so good in Richard's life. So they. Had this uh, incredibly upbeat music play from a, a band called Ren Collective, like an Irish jig, but with Christian gospel words in it. balloons bouncing around, and uh, Helen, his wife, stood up and did this most extraordinary tribute, saying that even in the early Days of this incredible loss of a person who no one in the room would ever imagined would have been suffering mentally the way he was. He was the most upbeat, life-giving person. So that even in the early days of this loss, she'd begun to see some of God's hand at work. But more importantly, she had a vision of where he was. Safe at home. St. Paul says, if there is no resurrection, we're the most accursed of all people. We're the biggest fools going around telling people this story, that there is real hope or life after death, and not just life carrying on like it is now, because we know, and even our own contemporary poets know, it's not worth carrying on in this life forever. There's fundamental problems at the core of each of us which need rooting out. Before it's worth us living forever. Otherwise, it's just pain ad infinitum. I don't want to live with the dark bits of myself forever. Do you? I long for someone to judge me and just leave behind what's good. If I've got to live forever, I don't want to live forever in the prison of who I am. I want to be liberated to be the best me that I can be. Don't you? We long for a judge to go, that bit's out. This bit's in. That's exactly what the cross and resurrection of Jesus provides. He says, I'll root out your darkness. I'll replace your heart of stone with a heart of flesh. I'll give you life in all its fullness. There is a vision. He's going to destroy our enemies. And in this last... uh, section he's going to bring us home to him prodigals as we may be wherever we've been scattered to how far away we've run from him as Israel was scattered to the four corners of the earth as our divided hearts have been scattered away from his glorious presence he will reintegrate us into one and make us truly whole one day so God never leads us through suffering Without giving us a vision that one day it will all be okay. And that those horrors that you battle with in your own mind and soul will be defeated. That the loss you feel, that the bereavement you feel, the anger you feel will have a final reckoning and resolution and reimagining, reinterpreting, recreating into something beautiful as we proceed through this service and I want to offer you two very different opportunities one is as John said before we come up to communion to bring your personal pain and sadnesses to this this tree I've put my friend's name hanging on the tree there already And uh, you may want to just write a name of a situation or person or someone you want to treasure or remember. Or that you want to say, God, I'm so sad about this. It may be a way of honoring someone who is no longer with you and you just want to say, I miss you. And place them on the tree. Maybe you want to use it as a way of calling out to God, "I, I miss them. I'm still cross, (laughs) because it still hurts. So that's the first thing. But then we'll come to communion. And communion, we remember two things, don't we? We remember what Jesus did at Calvary, and in that garden where he rose again. But we also do what we, we call remembering, because we know it will absolutely happen. We remember his second coming when he makes all things new. Because it will absolutely happen, as we saw in the earlier passage in Isaiah last week. We can be confident that this has already happened. It is so guaranteed. And so we remember that he doesn't take us through the valley of the shadow of death without painting a picture that he's prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies that he anoints our head with oil, and that our cup can overflow. So let's take a a moment of quiet and peace now to think on these things together. Amen.